failure doesn't exist. Kobe Bean Bryant said that, and I'm saying this, welcome to High and Low. Good day and good night. Welcome to the High and Low Basketball Show. This is episode number 100 and Rajon, a.k.a. episode number 159, uh, Rajon Tucker, a name that may not ring as many bells as the legends we often discuss on this year's show, but a, a player who has carved out his own journey to an NBA roster as unique as the number on his jersey. While not a widely known figure, say that 10 times fast, uh, Rajon Tucker's athleticism <laughs> and skill captivated college crowds for a few years. See, Tucker, who one would consider to be a dynamic shooting guard, well, he played for the Florida Gulf Coast Eagles, where he averaged the average, uh, which was not good enough for the young man. And he decided to transfer to the University of Little Rock, Arkansas, where his scoring numbers would improve to 20 a game. Good choice. Good decision. His scoring ability and his athleticism it caught the attention of fans uh, and his relentless energy, that acrobatic style of play. Well, you know, it quickly made Tucker a fan favorite down in Arkansas, uh, specifically Little Rock. Did you hear that? Now, he took a leap of faith and he declared for the NBA draft in 2019. Now, although he went undrafted, his talent and his potential didn't go unnoticed. He signed a two-way contract with the Utah Jazz which allowed him to split his time between the NBA and the G League. Uh, this opportunity served as a stepping stone for Tucker to showcase his abilities and uh, prove that he belonged among the elite as a journeyman. What did you say? Uh, in his brief professional career, Tucker has also had stints with the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. See, journeyman. Thank you very little. Where else are you going to get this much info about Rajon Tucker? Anyway, let's move on. Welcome to the High and Low MB Experience this week. My name is Ike Amechi. Around here, we live by a principle governed by the high and low lives of the world, which means we talk about basketball, especially and specifically the NBA, and we talk about it at any time, anywhere, north, south, east, west, high and low. This week on the show, I'm going to commemorate the 2023 NBA Finals by talking about the worst performances by a star, a superstar in NBA Finals history. This is not, I repeat, not a shot at Jimmy Butler or the Miami Heat. It's just an opportunity to look at the other side. You know, we tend to focus on the highs and skirt past the lows. Now, in this episode, we're, we're screeching to a halt right in front of the lows and diving into three players you would not expect to hear in this conversation. Uh, so stay tuned for all of that. Before we lock in, let's just check in. Let me check in. Oh, hi. Thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. So no Hugo the Sheik this week. No Mitch or Sadi, no Steven, but Mal. Mal is at the table. Uh, Isn't that right, Mal? I'm always here, Ike. Okay. I'm the only one you can rely on to be here with you every episode. I'm the only one you need. What did you say? All right, don't make it weird, Mal. Don't make it weird. Uh, Listeners, (laughs) thank you for joining me for another installment of the program, another week, another episode, more NBA, so of course more high and low. This week in NBA history, Maurice Podoloff gave birth. On June 6th, 1946, the basketball landscape changed forever. It was on this day that the National Basketball Association was born at the illustrious 
Commodore Hotel in the heart of New York City. Uh, so picture this. A group of basketball visionaries, executives, enthusiasts huddled together, their collective passion and ambition filling the room, driven by a shared dream, the dream to create a professional basketball league that would captivate the nation and carve its place in the annals of sports history. Uh, leading this historic endeavor was none other than Maurice Podoloff, a visionary sports administrator who would become the league's first president. Now, later, this title would be changed to commissioner, a role that would shape the destiny of the NBA for years to come. Uh, the birth of the NBA was a moment of great significance, and it marked the consolidation of several regional leagues, including the Basketball Association of America, the BAA, and the NBL, the National Basketball League. Now, with the merger, a new era of professional basketball was born, a league that would grow and evolve, leaving an indelible mark on the world of sports. Now, under Podolov's astute leadership, the NBA embarked on a journey of expansion and development, as is the case with any new business or startup. There were a mix of challenges and brilliance. You know, regardless the product, the game of basketball was growing in popularity quickly, capturing the hearts of fans across the country. Now, as the NBA evolved, so did the stature of the league's commissioner. Podoloff laid the foundation for future commissioners to guide the league through triumphs and tribulations. Uh, today, the title of commissioner is synonymous with the face of the NBA. You know, a figure who plays a pivotal role in shaping the league's direction, policies, and global impact. Looking at you, Adam Silver. Now, looking back, we can't help but marvel at the incredible journey of the NBA from its humble beginnings at the Commodore Hotel to its current status as a global sports phenomenon where an NBA Finals matchup between the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat can be watched by millions across the world. You know, the league has given rise to countless basketball legends, unforgettable moments, uh, amazing rivalries. It's uh, become a platform where dreams are realized, where the pursuit of excellence is celebrated and where the passion for the game is felt by people everywhere. Anyway, that's a little something for the NBA history nerds. Things are certainly happening in the NBA today, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about something important. I have a question from Biggums in Thousand Oaks, California. Shout out to my folk in California. Actually, do you know if the Denver Nuggets win the title, it'll be the first time that a Western Conference team outside of California and Texas uh, is crowned champion since uh, Portland did it back in 1977. That's madness. But uh, anyway, that's, that has nothing to do with Bigham's question Aside from the fact that Biggums lives in one of those states, California. Uh, anyway, Biggums, his question is this. Would you guys ever do a live NBA watch party? Um, okay, well, I can speak for myself because uh, the other the other gentlemen are not here at the moment. Um, but hey, Biggums, great question as usual. Uh, short answer, I would say is yes, at least from my perspective. Uh now, we have a group chat on Discord, and we're usually chirping in the chat throughout these games. You know, we've been doing it for every playoff game. So, yeah, I don't know. It would make sense to bring listeners into that experience uh, if you want to um, if you want to subject yourself to that to that uh, experience. 
you can all listen to the unedited versions of Hugo, Mitch, King, Stephen, Sean. Uh, you know, we have a few other guys in there, uh, like Mr. Carlito Hustle. Shout out to Carlito. That's my guy. And uh, Mr. Bubblegum Tate himself, Drew. Uh, that's my guy. He's in there. Shout out to him. Uh, you know, there are a lot of opinions, a lot of opinions shared during games uh, in that chat. So I don't know. Why not? Why not make it live? A live watch party next season. We'll make it happen. Uh, good question, Biggums. Thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, just a quick reminder to High and Low Lives. If you want to leave a question for us to answer on the show, just drop a DM on TikTok and more High and Low. Drop a DM on Instagram at Get High and Low. Uh, I'll put the links to those in the show notes. Time for a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to share the worst performances in the NBA Finals by NBA stars. We'll be right back with more High and Low. This moment is brought to you by High and Low listeners. This week on the High and Low NBA show, listeners were asked to share their top 5 Denver Nuggets of all time. Shango in Shreveport, Louisiana shared his opinions starting with number 5, Carmelo Anthony from 2003 to 2010. Number 4 is Dan Issel from 1975 to 1985. Number 3 is Michael Jordan's favorite player growing up, David Thompson from 1975 to 1982. Number two is a player who was considered the greatest nugget of all time up until a few seasons ago, Alex English from 1980 to 1990. Number one is two-time MVP Nikola Jokic who has a chance to do what no other nugget has been able to do in franchise history, lead the Denver Nuggets to an NBA title. Thank you for sharing your list, Shango. Back to high and low. Welcome back to the High and Low NBA show. I'm Mike Amici. Now, as Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and the rest of the Denver Nuggets battle Jimmy Buckets in the South Beach heat for the Larry O'Brien trophy, it uh, feels like a good time to stay on the NBA Finals theme. But instead of focusing on the greatest performances, which is what usually happens, I want to flip this topic on its head and uh, look at the not so great performances, but by great players. Great player. Tell me a story. Wait. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. So once upon a time in the realm of NBA greatness, there stood a man who transcended the game itself. Michael Jordan. Uh, his name alone evoked a sense of awe. As fans, they would marvel at his seemingly supernatural abilities on the basketball court. But even the greatest of legends have their off days. And in the 1997 NBA Finals, Jordan experienced a rare moment of vulnerability, a disappointing performance that still reverberates through the annals of basketball history. Does it? No, not really, actually. You don't really hear about this, but we're going to hear about it right now. So let's travel back to June of 1997, when the Chicago Bulls, led by their indomitable leader, Jordan, found themselves facing off against the formidable Utah Jazz in the NBA Finals. I say formidable, but it was formidable for about two games. Anyway, I'll move on. The stakes were high. Uh, the stage was set for this epic showdown with the Bulls leading the series two games to one. Game four in Salt Lake. Game carried immense significance 
was a pivotal moment that would tip the scales one way or the other, or just time. <laughs> On that fateful night, the world held its breath, eager to witness another spectacular display of Jordan's brilliance. But what unfolded left fans scratching their heads in disbelief. You know, the mighty MJ, the man who seemed capable of defying gravity itself, well, he stumbled upon a rough patch. Uh, he missed shots that uh, he usually usually makes in his sleep. Throughout the playoffs, Jordan had been the driving force behind the team's success. In fact, the finals leading up to that point, uh, he was averaging an impressive 32.3 points per game. Uh, the basketball world had come to expect nothing short of greatness from his airness. But on that night, everything seemed to go awry. Jordan struggled to find his rhythm. His shots rimmed out. By the end of the game, he had tallied a mere 22 points on 11 of 27 shooting. Now, for other people, that's a decent night. But for Jordan, especially in the finals, eh, uncharacteristically low numbers. It was a performance that left both fans and analysts dumbfounded, you know, searching for answers amidst the shock and disappointment. Now, I'm exaggerating a little bit. This is a bit of hyperbole. But uh, you get the, you get the point. Uh, in the playoffs leading up to the game, he had been shooting an impressive 47% from the field. However, in that particular game, his shooting percentage plummeted uh, in this rare display of fallibility from a player who had become synonymous with excellence. And the Jazz, of course, they capitalized on this rare moment by winning by the smallest of margins in a very low-scoring affair and tied up the series 2-2. Now, as we reflect on Jordan's disappointing performance, we should remember that even the greatest stars can have their moments of vulnerability. It's through these moments that we witness their humanity, you know, their capacity to endure setbacks and rise above them. In the case of Michael Jordan, his disappointing showing in game four of the 1997 NBA Finals serves as a testament to the fact that even legends, even they stumble. But it's their ability to rebound that truly defines their greatness. And Jordan and the Bulls, well, they rebounded. They won the next two games and won their third straight championship, six overall in the Jordan era. There you have it. Anyway, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to Miami. We'll be right back with more High and Low. guys what's next yeah welcome back to the high and low nba show i'm ike amechi uh once upon a time in the vast kingdom of the nba there was a player who possessed a unique combination of size skill and basketball iq uh, a player whose name had become synonymous with greatness there's that that term again but synonymous with greatness just like michael jordan uh, that player was none other than LeBron James. His uh, his arrival in the league had been heralded as a new era, a changing of the guard, uh, especially uh, for those who uh, were tired of watching Kobe. Um, and for Kobe fans, Kobe fans were, were very reluctant to recognize LeBron's arrival as a changing of the guard. They felt like that happened when Kobe jumped into the league. But anyway, I digress. It signaled the era a new era in the NBA. Uh, but even the mightiest of kings can stumble. And in the 2011 NBA Finals, LeBron James experienced a stunning fall from grace. Well, maybe not stunning. 
but uh, definitely a stumble. Uh, it was a subpar performance that uh, left a lot of fans of LeBron uh, quite baffled, and uh, it left some Kobe fans just grinning ear to ear. Uh, anyway, let's rewind the tape, transport ourselves back to 2011 when the Miami Heat, led by their star-studded triumvirate of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, uh, fresh off a departure from the Toronto Raptors for all those Raptor fans. Sorry, Mitch. Uh, well, they squared off against the Dirk Nowitzki-led Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals. Uh, the stage was set uh, with the series tied at two games apiece. Game five held the key to victory. Really, it was a, a pivotal moment that would uh, shape the narrative of the series. Now, LeBron James, the chosen one, had built an extraordinary career up to that point. He'd been a perennial all-star and dominant force on, on both ends of the court, really, and uh, had earned the title of league MVP twice. Uh, he was fresh off of taking his talents to South Beach, leaving Cleveland, say that 10 times fast, leaving Cleveland uh, in the dust and promising Miami fans not one title, not two, not three, uh, and so on and so on. Um, but needless to say, the expectations were sky high as Heat fans eagerly anticipated LeBron's coronation as an NBA champion. However, as the games unfolded, it became apparent that something was amiss. LeBron, uh, he, he, he struggled. He struggled to find his rhythm, sort of like what uh, was happening with MJ in the previous segment. The narrative began to shift as uh, the media and fans uh, questioned his ability to rise to the occasion in the NBA Finals, the grandest stage of them all. Uh, now, keep in mind that Dirk Nowitzki had been suffering from flu-like symptoms since Game 4 and uh, still managed to lead the Mavs to a win to tie the series. Still brimming with confidence, LeBron and Dwayne Wade were captured on camera mocking Dirk's illness prior to uh, game five. They were coughing and jokingly talking about how they were getting sick. Uh, given the fact that LeBron and D. Wade have both played sick before and made it known to the media, you know, the footage didn't really paint LeBron in the best light. Oh, did y'all hear me cough? I think I'm sick. <laughs> Hey, this weather, man. Weather is crazy. It's hard to go from 85 degree weather and go to 90. Think of the video of uh, Wade and LeBron coughing. Dwayne said that uh, that was a real cough, by the way. Well, I just thought it was a little childish, a little, little ignorant. Uh, you know, I've been in this league for, for 13 years. I never faked uh, an injury or, or an illness before. Um, and it seemed to be exactly what the Mavs needed. Uh, that whiteboard material, because they, they held LeBron to 17 points on 18 of 19 shooting in game five while claiming the win and deflating the egos of LeBron, D-Wade, and the Heat. Now, LeBron struggles in game five of the 2011 NBA Finals. Well, I mean, I say struggles, but he still ended up with a triple-double. Uh, but just wasn't able to score, put the numbers on the board, when the Heat needed it. Anyway, of course, it captivated the, the NBA landscape, you know, all fans watching, um, especially Kobe fans. <laughs> Analysts dissected his every move, searching for answers. 
to the enigma that had unfolded before their eyes. Some questioned his mental fortitude, um, his ability to handle the pressures of the grandest stage. You know, um, when he was in Cleveland, he did make it to the finals, you know, and just wasn't able to to get it done. Others wondered if the weight of expectations had become too burdensome for even a player of his caliber to bear. And it would only get worse as the Mavs would take game six and take the title, dashing the hopes of Miami and its big three. Uh, But as the story of LeBron's disappointing performance in the 2011 NBA Finals unfolded, it became clear that uh, this was merely a chapter in a larger narrative. It was a, a moment of adversity that would shape LeBron's future, fueling his relentless pursuit of greatness. You know, LeBron would go on to win four championships and cement his legacy as one of the greatest players in NBA history. Dare I say, second greatest of all time? Hmm? Anyway, uh, time for one final break. When we come back, I'm going to share the last of the worst finals performances by NBA superstars. We'll be right back with more High and Low. And we're back. I'm Mike Amici. This is High and Low. I've covered Jordan, LeBron, but what other NBA superstars shrunk in the face of pressure and adversity? Uh, man, it sounds really bad to say that out loud, but it's essentially what this is. Tell me a story. Wait. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. So once upon a time, while we're on the theme of telling stories, once upon a time in the realm of the association, there was a there was a formidable force known as Shaquille O'Neal, a man whose size, strength, and skill made him virtually unstoppable. Ask Richard Jefferson, standing at a towering seven feet one inch and weighing well over three hundred pounds, Shaq was a force of nature on the court. However, even the mightiest of giants can can stumble and fall. And in the 2004 NBA Finals, Shaq experienced a stunning downfall, a performance that really left uh, Lakers fans scratching their heads and wondering what went wrong. Now, let's journey back to that fateful year when the Lakers of Los Angeles, a legitimate dynasty led by Shaq and legendary Kobe Bean Bryant, they faced off against the underdog Detroit Pistons in the NBA Finals. Uh, The Lakers had already three-peated, returning to the Finals after Tim Duncan and the Spurs interrupted their run with the championship in 2003. Uh, The Lakers of Los Angeles had their sights set on a fourth chip in five seasons and a return to form, but the Pistons had other plans. The series promised to be a battle of contrasting styles, an offensive powerhouse versus a defensive juggernaut. Uh, what's the term that is used? The immovable object versus an unstoppable force. It's the irresistible force paradox. I think that's what it's called. That is correct, Ike. The irresistible paradox is formulated in the form of the question, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? The immovable object and the unstoppable force are both implicitly assumed to be indestructible, or else the question would have a trivial resolution. Always happy to help. Well, as the finals began, expectations were sky high for Shaq, who had already established himself as one of the uh, best players in the league and uh, most dominant players in NBA history. 
you know, he'd already won three consecutive finals MVP awards uh, leading up to that point, And his imposing presence in the paint struck fear in the hearts of his opponents always. Throughout the series, Shaq struggled to find his usual dominance, his usual dominant form. The Pistons, renowned for their suffocating defense, uh, led by one Ben Wallace. Uh, they were throwing multiple defenders at him and forcing him into difficult shots. The numbers really tell a somber tale. Shaq's shooting percentage in 2004 NBA Finals were pretty disappointing. It was a significant drop-off from his regular season and playoff averages. In Game 3 of the Finals, Shaq's struggles were on full display. He finished the game with a mere 14 points, 8 rebounds. This is Shaq we're talking about. 2004, this is peak Shaq. 14 points, 8 rebounds in a NBA Finals game. Uh, it was a far cry from the dominance he had exhibited in, in previous playoff runs. As the series progressed, it became clear that Shaq was not his usual self. And the Lakers of Los Angeles, while well, their title hopes quickly faded away to oblivion as the Pistons shocked the NBA with a gentleman's sweep of the purple and gold, closing the chapter on this dynastic iteration of the Lakers of Los Angeles. Uh, it was no surprise to the Pistons. Uh, they had they had a game plan. They executed it to perfection, uh, led by their stalwart defense. They managed to contain Shaq and limit his impact on the game. You know, Shaq's struggles were not solely a result of his own shortcomings, but also a testament to the Pistons' tenacity, tenacious. It was a humbling moment for the dominant center, a reminder that even the most formidable forces can be overcome, but this story is not one of failure or defeat. It's, it's a tale of resilience and redemption. You know, Shaq would go on to win another championship with the Miami Heat, actually. Uh, Miami Heat coming up a lot on this episode, oh, but it uh, proved that a single disappointing performance does not define a career. You know, he would continue to dominate the league and etch his name in the, uh, listen to this, the annals of basketball history. <laughs> uh, anyway, there are your three worst performances by NBA superstars. Why the f*** I can't shoot three-point shots? And that brings us to the end of this episode of High and Low. So I want to thank you all for listening to this one. Subscribe to High and Low anywhere you find podcasts and make us a part of your weekly routine. I encourage you to leave a review, leave a rating. It always helps in getting others to find High and Low and to expand our community. You know where to find us. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Links to those are in the show notes. Uh, once again, music is by Live of the Enjoy Music Group. You can find Live on Twitter and on Instagram at L-Y-V-E. Additional music is by Sonny Rockwell of The Goodness. Can't find that guy anywhere. I promise I've, I've tried. Uh, sound design is by Vaughn August. This is a Vaughn Abraham podcast, just in case you didn't know. So I'm Ike Amechi. Thank you for listening to High and Low. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.